just stand to your feet with me as we begin with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship you, to seek your face. Lord, I thank you for every miracle, every testimony, every uh, family member getting saved that we've heard over the past 20-something days that we've been praying and seeking you and fasting. And Father, I thank you for the anointing that comes from the Holy One. I thank you, Jesus. We give you praise today. Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, we invite you here to move as you desire. And Father, I thank you for the, the miraculous today. You are the God of more than enough. We praise your name. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We praise your name. I want to encourage everyone in the sound of my voice, lift your hand and begin to praise him. You can praise him in English. You can praise him with your spiritual prayer link. Begin to praise him. We're going to warm up the room, not by the atmosphere of a thermostat, but by the atmosphere of the room of God. We praise your name. Hallelujah. If that's different for you, put it on the back burner. Don't worry about it right now. We praise your name. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you. We honor you. We thank you. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God. You are the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. You are the God of more than enough, and you are doing that in our lives. We dare to believe. Hallelujah. We praise you. We dare to believe you, Father. We dare to take you at your word. We dare to believe for the impossible. We dare to move beyond our understanding of what we feel, hear, or see, but to come into alignment with the assignment of your word. We dare. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise. We honor you. Hallelujah. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We hallelujah. We glorify your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now praise him that every everything you've been praying for, it's done. Praise Him as, from the perspective of it's done. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Family are saved. People are healed. You're blessed. Hallelujah. You have the peace of God. <laughs> say, it's done. Turn around. Greet two or three people. Say, it's done. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those who haven't been with us, the theme that we have been doing over this 21 days in prayer and fasting, uh, which came out of just spending time with the Lord, and that theme was that He is the God of the impossible. You can't read through the Bible and not draw that conclusion. That is not a stretch to our imagination. That is not a stretch to the text of the Word of God. Everything throughout the Scripture, when Jesus was involved, uh, when, when God was moving to the Old Testament, it was always the God of the impossible. Saving, saving someone from a lion's den, that's impossible. Saving, saving somebody from a fiery furnace, that's impossible. A virgin birth, that's... Yeah, I'll work with you, you work with me, and I'll get you out before, before your football game starts. Come on, somebody. And I hold up in prayer my nephew, Austin, whose team lost last night. God bless them. Sorry, Austin, but they did good. I mean, when you come in, the... The seventh rank, you know I mean? They, they did good. They released at the party. Virgin birth, what is that? Impossible. Lazarus being raised from the dead, what is that? Come on, talk to me. What? Impossible. Blind eyes being open, what is that? Impossible. Calming the storm in the sea, it is what? Impossible. 
How many times did the disciples who knew who, knew who he was, loved him and followed him, even scratch their head and say, what the what did he just do? He would tap a casket on its way to burial and the, and the child would come back to life. That's impossible. We, got, we have thousands of people to feed. What are we going to do? Bring me that little boy's lunch. What do you got? Nothing but a little boy's lunch. That's in. I want you to say it with me. One, two, three. That's impossible. Why do I want you to hear yourself say it? Because that's what the devil's been screaming in your ear. And what I want you to know is what the devil's been screaming in your ear might be true in the natural side. But all it does is bring you into the storyline of what God does. Now you can be a part, a participant of what God does all the time. Because he is the God of the impossible. So when the devil tells you that your marriage is over or your, your body is broken or you'll never have peace or you'll never get ahead or any of the promises of God and challenge everything I say with the word of God. Don't take my word for it. But the Bible says that the promises of God are yea and amen. So any of the promises of God which are approved and so be it and the devil tells you it will never happen. It's impossible. Say well thank you. Thank you devil. You just reminded me it's not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. Come on somebody. The trick of the enemy in the journey, because to receive, we receive by faith. You're, we receive by faith, Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 6, 12. We receive by faith and patience. And in the process of receiving, the devil will just keep bringing your attention back to a place of your ability. He will, has he ever got you to retest the temperature of the water? Well, how do you feel now? I believe I'm healed. How do you feel now? I believe I'm healed. How do you feel now? And he gets your mind and your focus to go back to the problem and test the temperature of a resolve that you're waiting on God to do. And it's like, why do we do it? Because the devil wants you to keep going back because he wants you to think it's impossible and it will not change. My marriage is great. What's he doing now? My kids are coming to the kingdom of God. Where are they now? He gets you to keep coming back to the realm of what you feel, hear, or see. And the realm of what you feel, hear, or see in the situation has to come to a place of your perspective irrelevant because Romans tells us that as men and women of faith, we are not moved by what we feel, hear, or see. And I have found when the devil begins to remind me to look at the situation again to see how I feel about it, I have to respond, it's not my battle, it's the Lord's. It doesn't matter what I feel, here or see. That's not part of the equation anymore. The storyline's not based on what I feel, here or see. I know God's got it. It's his battle. I'll leave it with him. I'll do what he tells, uh, we'll do what he tells us to do, amen? If he, that doesn't mean you sit on an easy chair and do nothing. No, faith without works is dead. So you got to do something he shows you. But he tries to get you to keep reevaluating re the situation to see if it's changed. And when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he didn't stay to see if it was going to wither. He moved on. Because he knew that the word he had spoken has an assignment, Isaiah 55, 10, and 11. And it's been sent, and when it's sent, it will not return void. It's like when it gets uh, cold in your house, you turn on the heater. And when the heater kicks on, it changes and makes a sound. Now someone say, it's cold, turn... Mom, turn on the heater, and you turn on the heater. It's still cold. Don't worry, baby. It's going to get warm. Because we have already started the process of the... Come on, come on. 
See, when we see, get, when we see God, when we draw near to God, when we obey God, when we pray and ask, we are starting the process of God doing the impossible. And so we don't go to the water of impossible to test it to see if it's changed. We set our focus and our affection on things above, not things on the earth. The Bible says, look to that which is eternal, not to that which is temporal. Because that which is temporal, change subject to change, will not last. But that which is invisible, as the King James says, what you see or don't see. And the unseen is the eternal, the dimension of God, that he is working on your behalf for good in the name of Jesus. I don't care what the enemy is thrown at somebody in this house today. I'm here to tell you that you are in the right place at the right time and God is the God of the impossible and he is working for your behalf if that's for you once you stand to your feet and give him praise I haven't come to entertain you I have come to speak in the life of somebody to let you know that it's not over the game's not over you have not lost you are still alive and God is not done give him a praise Hallelujah. He is the God of the impossible. Every time the devil tries to tell you it'll never happen, that's impossible. Oh, thank you for reminding me that I'm not alone, that I'm with God. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God's got this because he specializes in the impossible. That's his wheelhouse. That's his bread. That's easy. All we need to do is believe. For the Bible says that nothing is impossible for him who believes in the word of God. It is not, it's not a fairy tale story. It's not you making stuff up and believing it. It's you getting into the word and finding what the word says to you and say, okay, God, I'm taking you at your word. For your word is elevated above your name, Psalms 119. Heaven and earth will pass away before your word fails. I stand on your word. I believe I'm staying in this until it becomes alive as an understanding of my heart, Matthew 13. And as I stay in this, I'm standing on the word. And Jesus, you said, if I hear and obey your word, it's as if a person builds their house on the rock. And when the storms come, and they do come, and when the storms come, I will stand. It might be beating against my house today. You might feel the winds blowing against your house today. You might see things on the inside moving and shifting a little bit and you're thinking oh God is the house going to fall I'm here to tell you if you're standing on the word of God this too shall pass this storm will cease and you'll see that your house will be standing and when you step out of it there'll be people around you in your neighborhood walking out saying we lost so much what'd you lose I didn't lose anything I slept all night why because he is still king of I remember years ago uh, one of our Dear widows in the church, faithful to the things of God. And there was a big tornado that had just come through. And you might remember more details as far as when, because it went right through Belfountain Neighbors. Do you remember this? And so I, me and one of our associates went over to visit her because it hit her neighborhood. And so we, I went over to her house, and it was like a war zone. I mean, houses ripped down, torn down branches, trees, and got inside her house, and there was no damage in her house, and I began to talk to her, and I said, what'd you do? She goes, I sat here at the kitchen table and watched it through my window. I said, you know, you're not supposed to do that when a tornado comes. You're supposed to go to the lowest place, to a room, no windows, not sit and drink coffee watching the t- out your window as your neighbor's, this is a true story, as your neighbor's houses or whatever are being 
I said, why would you do that? She said, well, I figure God's got me. And at this age, one way or the other, I'm going to heaven. So I'm going to watch him. Do- and as God is my witness, her yard. She didn't, I don't think she even had branches in her yard. You say, that's impossible. I know. That's what I'm trying to get to you. That's his wheelhouse. Say, he's the God of the impossible. Psalms 111 verse 4 is our key verse for the 21 days of fasting. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. He, the Lord spoke to my heart clearly what he's about to do. And I'm telling you, this is just not what he's doing during the 21 day fast. The 21 day fast, if you've been fasting, and if the devil's been trying to mess with you and saying, what has happened, what's changed? He's trying to mess with you because he knows the process. And if he can get you to talk about against the process, you'll literally uproot the seeds that's been planted. Because during the 21 days fasting, what you're doing is you are sowing into the things of the Spirit. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, he shall reap. He that sows to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. There is a realm of dimension of life, not only on heaven's side of eternity, but this side of eternity, available to us. It's not being greedy and wanting what, other, what belongs to other people. It's wanting what God has paid for by his sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. That's what we want. That's what we all should want. We don't want to get to heaven and you say, Lord, I made it to level six. And he said, I'm, I had you designed to hit level 15, but you only stayed at level six. We call it a John 10, 10 dynamic life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We define that even further by saying, being who God wants you to be. Having what God wants you to have. Doing what God wants you to do. Helping those who God wants you to help. So if Jesus paid for something on the cross of Calvary for you, and it's already available to you, do you want it? Well, absolutely. That's not greed. That's respect and honor. If he paid for it, and he wants me to have it, I want to receive what he wants me to have. I don't want to look at other people and try to determine my level by other people. Because they might be too high or too low. I don't know. I need to follow what God wants me to do. When you reach for what other people have, you find yourself falling in directions you didn't imagine you could go. Oh, I was just trying to emulate them. You don't need to emulate anybody. You need to be who God called you to be. And it's having the mindset, Lord, I'm going to push in because I want to know you and the power of your glory. And I want to I be who you've called me to be. Romans 8, 29. I want to have what you've called me to have. I want to do what you've called me to do. And so during this 21 days of fasting, we are sowing seeds. And the, the, the process of the miracle is just beginning. It doesn't mean everything's got to be done within, by Tuesday. Some of you are like, OMG, Tuesday, it's over. I haven't had my miracle yet. Don't you worry about that. God's got that. He is the God of the impossible. And what, you, what it happens wave upon wave, the Bible says. Your miracle's coming 30, 60, 100 fold. I'm telling you, when you sow what, what we have started this year with, it's going to impact this year and the years to come. When you begin to get that revelation, you'll be like, oh, I'm going to spend more time during this year. Can I, can I fast and pray even more throughout the year? Absolutely. Why? Because you begin to see the process of what God's doing in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, most of us have been doing the 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and that's how Israel fast. And there's several different fasts, and we encourage you to do it at your level of faith. Don't copy. To me, as and from a pastoral perspective, it's the one that more people can participate in. If I said we're going to do a 40-day water fast, some of you would run to the door. And don't trip because I'm probably one behind you trying to knock you over. 
But there are some people that are doing longer fast or more strict fast. We have, I was talking to one gentleman who's doing a 21-day fast, just liquids. And I commend people that are doing that. If you're not there, don't feel bad. Just grow into it. You don't go to the gym the very first day and bench 500 pounds. And if you do, you better make sure Dr. Rob's available to give you an adjustment because something's going to snap. But what you do is you walk it out by faith. So I was talking to him, and he was doing 21-day liquid fast. And he's like, oh, I can't wait. I'm at almost at the end. And he made a comment, and he said, uh, when I get done, I, then the conversation gets into, how are you going to break the fast? You know, I mean, what are you going to eat first? And he's like, I'm thinking about eating White Castle. <laughs> and I said, you don't want to do that. You don't, please don't do that. And this will be a little bit of wisdom if somebody else is listening to me and on a liquid fast. You don't want to do that. Not only is it probably something you shouldn't do ever, but I mean, you can create yourself some physical problems. And I'm literally, uh, my sister Shonda graduated from Rhema Bible Institute many years ago, and they were on a 40-day fast, liquid fast, as a, as a class. And so some person had a great idea that after the 40-day fast, he was going to go, and he just went to a buffet and went to town. He died. That's the severity of it. He died. So it's not like, oh, you have upset stomach. No. He, you don't want to break a 21-day liquid fast with White Castles. And if you're White Castle, don't sue me. This is just practical information. Any, any junk food. So, so any, any junk food. It's just because your body's not ready for that. You've got you to gotta back out of it. You've got to come out of it correctly. You've got to come out. Yeah, you've got you to gotta come out. And how you exit the fast is important. It is. You want to do it right. In fact, how you exit any process is important. How you exit situations is important. How you exit a battlefield is important. How you exit a fiery furnace is important. Jesus, when he was fasting for 40 days and was tempted, the Bible says that when he was exiting, when he was leaving, he left with power in the Spirit. What I want to draw an emphasis to is last week we talked about bring back the oil, the, the need and desire, because the oil of God has never left, but the desire and understanding of the church world corporately, in my opinion, I'll leave it that way, corporately, they have lost the, the importance of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the anointing. More than a dove, more than imagery. And so as a result, they, they, in some churches they've even invited the Holy Spirit not to even operate. And some people think, well, that's, it, it gets kind of weird. No, God's not weird. People are weird. And there are weird people in the church. It just, it, you just got to get comfortable with that. Nobody here, so nobody you're sitting by, amen. Because usually after a while, we kind of drive the weird people away. You know what I mean? Because we, we don't put up with foolishness. But I think, honestly, on the practical side, I think it's just because the church tentatively always operates and should in the context of love and the value and everybody's important, so everybody's welcome. So if you're weird and no one likes you, you find the church and everybody loves you. And then you try to emulate something that you're not because there's no substance there, and it just, then people start thinking, well, anointing people are weird. No, anointing people aren't weird. Jesus is not weird. Weird people are weird. And in time, Jesus can actually take that out of them. Right? In time, the Lord can really deal with that and bring his character. But the reason I say that is when Jesus was walking out of that fast, he operated, he exited with power. 
And what I feel encouraged from the Lord to direct, encourage you today with is as we're exiting this 21-day fast, I want you to have the expectation God is working in the, the impossible is his wheelhouse, and you are coming out with power. You are coming out with more power. More power to, to get prayers answered. More power to hear his voice. More power to obey him. More power to resist temptation. More power over the devil and demonic influences. More power in situations. More power to excel and succeed in your business. See, most people don't realize that it's just, the anointing of God is just not, and the power of God is just not confined with the service or just for the healing of the sick. It, it, it impacts, God cares about the details. You're a salesperson. Why am I not getting any sales? You ought to ask God because with his power, he can make you the best salesperson. Now, you might not agree with that. So be it. I believe it works that way. I've seen very successful people that begin to say, uh, you know, how God operates and helped them and showed them what to do and connected them to the right people and worked it out. See, I'm coming out with power. The devil, when you go through a storm, when you go through a battle, will try to get you to just survive, and you come out ragged and exhausted. Have you ever seen anybody where they come out, and they feel broken, and they're busted, and they're just glad they got through the fight? Yeah. Man, you look like you've been in a fight. I have. <laughs> That's not what God wants you to come out with. You come out of a fight. They, you know I mean, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fiery furnace, they didn't come out burnt up. They didn't even come out smelling like smoke. They came out with power. Say power. power. Come on, say power. power. They came out with power. There's a reason for that. There's a purpose for that. Let me give you the word. We always go to the word. The word is the key element to everything. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2. They came out with power. Before I read that, they came out with power because God wants us to receive what he, he has set up for us to receive. He is the God of the impossible. And with his power, he brings us victory. Can I get an amen to that? Say, with his power, all things are possible. Can I get a better amen? Let me say this phrase. Our victories from God are this aroma of his goodness. Now, in some churches, you won't hear that. You'll hear the complete opposite. In some churches, they'll say, God will put cancer on you, and God will take your job and make you poor, and God will hurt you just to get glory. And that's not in the Bible. Again, that's why we've developed a culture around here to challenge everything with the word of God. Oh, God will punish you. He'll just, you know, he loves you so much, he's going to just, he's just going to hurt you. And they'll mistake uh, scriptures. And even the one that says that God, you know I mean, that he punishes and corrects those who he loves, you have to understand, people will take that and interpret that God puts sickness on them to correct them. But that's not what the Bible says. What it's talking about, God is a spirit, by the way, and how does God correct you or deal with you as a son? It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. When you understand that, you'll under, and when the Holy Spirit convicts you, and if you've ever been under conviction, and I think we've all have, you'd almost rather take a physical problem than have the Holy Spirit be convicting you. Because yeah. after a while, you're like, Lord, you're right. I just give up. Whatever you want me to do, I, I will forgive them. I hate them, but I, I'll love them from now on. Yeah. He deals with us as sons, and it's not, it's not always pleasant, but he... And so people will say, oh, God will put sickness. That's not how God gets glory. John, Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 7, 8, and 16 says he gets glory by answering our prayers. 
That's what producing fruit. This is what gives glory to the Father. Did I lose you? Some of you are still back thinking God put that sniffle on you. God did not put that sniffle on you. John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I always think it's amazing where people believe that God puts poverty on people and makes it a spiritual thing, and yet they'll work 60 hours a week trying to get. Again, we believe it. Now, you can disagree. You find it in your own, in the Word. We believe God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. Let me help you out. If money's so evil, quit putting it in the birthday card to your grandkids. Come on, somebody. Right? If God made you sick, quit taking that medicine because you're fighting God. It doesn't make sense. Not to go down this ramp, but I mean, I, I see preachers will preach, preach poverty. Say that three times fast. Preach poverty. Say, oh, God wants you poor. And then they'll take up four offerings and get mad at people for not giving enough. We don't, we don't do that around here at Hope Church. We believe the word of God, that you're the head and not the tail. You're above always and never to be beneath. Psalms 1-3, that whatever you put your hands to, it shall prosper. Hebrews 11, 6, that he that come, without faith that's impossible, please God, that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We celebrate the victories of God in your life. Did you hear me? And we'll stand with you in the battles of life. We don't run from battles, and we don't, we don't rob people for doing good. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Leads us where? Interesting. Leads us in triumph. Leads us in victory. He leads us in what? Wait a minute, Pastor. God's supposed to be leading me into problems. Yeah, even Jesus prayer. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. He don't lead you into the problem of sin. He doesn't lead you into sickness. He leads you. Now, if there's a giant in your land, he'll lead you to that so you deal with that. But not so you suffer from it. Some of you notice that. Have you noticed the 21 days of prayer and fasting? You start seeking God. You start reading the Bible more. Start praying. Have you noticed a, a few things popping their head up? Reminds me of that game. You know what I mean? They used to have with the. Yeah, exactly. Man, you're in sync. That's the first good answer you've had all year. God bless you. I appreciate you. The year's just getting started. The whack-a-mole, you know what I mean? Some things might pop up. And they pop up, not so you sit there and go, oh, I got to uh, just suffer from it. No, sometimes God will bring it to your attention. So you can name, like he did with Adam. He brought the animals so Adam could name them and have authority over them. If you don't identify it, you don't have authority over it. And if you identify it and have authority over it, then you can deal with that. Instead of just allowing and tolerating that thing to stay hidden in your life. And pop up at the points of time when you don't want them to pop up. Where's that anger coming from? Where's that jealousy coming from? Why is that person? So he's going to lead you to the promised land. But on the way, there might be some giants that have been hiding out. And when they pop up, don't get upset. You're walking, you're exiting with power. 
And when they pop up and come to your, t- oh, I'm talking to somebody now. When they come to your attention and you feel something not right, that's the Spirit of God saying, deal with it. You're like, why don't God deal with it? Because in the New Testament, he didn't say he's dealing with it. He's given us the keys of the kingdom, Matthew 18, 18. That what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. James says, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He didn't say pray for somebody to resist him. He didn't say pray to God would remove him. He said, you deal with it. We don't always want to deal with it. But it's us learning how to deal with it that helps us grow. So that we not only deal with the problems in our life, but we can walk around and help other people deal with the problems in their life and let people know, listen, I know that cancer is a scary C word, but I know a bigger word that's greater than that and that's the name of Jesus. And at that name, every knee must bow and at that name, every tongue must confess devil come out of that body in the name of Jesus. So don't worry about problems popping up. Just recognize it's not, oh, I shouldn't have fasted and I wouldn't have had to deal with it. You need to deal with it. Don't let the devil sleep under the blanket of your life. Wake him up. Tell him he's got to go. Why? Because he has no right to be there. Well, I'll make some people mad. Yeah, not everybody's going to love you. Have you figured that out yet? Not everybody who tells you they love you really loves you. Hallelujah. But he leads us into victory. In Christ, in the anointed one, it is anointing. Because like we learned last week, Christ is not his last name. It's the title and position. It's also representative of the anointing. So he leads us, leads us in victory. Say, I'm being led in victory. When the devil says, oh, look at you now. Say, hey, I'm just not done yet. I'm still walking this thing through. I am not staying here. I, he leads me in victory. Not only to victory, but in victory. And through us, notice this, it doesn't stop with us. See, it doesn't stop with me. And through us spreads and makes evident. Everywhere, just not on Sunday morning, just not in the Bible, small group, just not in a prayer meeting, but everywhere. It doesn't mean you're weird and talk to everybody. No, don't be weird. Never cast pearls before swine. Learn to be open for the opportunities, the kingdom opportunities of God. But you don't force people. Can I get an Amen. Some of you are witnessing the people at Chick-fil-A, and I can't get my food. Come on, get out of my way. Get them, I'm choking. We're fasting. I can talk about food. And through us spreads and makes evident everywhere what? The sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. God leads you in victory. He leads you in victory so that through you, you can spread the aroma, the fragrance of the goodness of God. Wherever you go. You don't force it, you're available. You let God create the opportunities. What is that fragrance? It's a fragrance of victory. Where does that victory come from when you're in the battle? It comes from Him. Because as children of God, we are in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, there's a fragrance. And the fragrance of the kingdom, the aroma of the kingdom is the aroma of the king. Now, something, this might go over your head. You're like, kingdom of God, I understand. No, Jesus even encouraged them to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy kingdom, the rule of God, the authority of God. See, when you are saved, you're not only forgiven and going to heaven, you're part of a family. You're also a part of another kingdom. Though we're in this world, the Bible says we are not of this world. Why? Because we are in his kingdom now, which means if I'm in his kingdom, I'm exempt from the other kingdom. Stay with me. 
Remember last week's illustration? God forbid you're speeding and get pulled over by a police officer. But if you see on the side of the car a different jurisdiction, you can politely say, thank you, officer, for stopping me and reminding me of, to slow down. But I noticed that your side of your car says that you're from a different city. You don't have jurisdiction in this city. Politely say it. Because he might pistol whip you after he turned off his body cam. You say, what? No. Why? Because his authority is within the realm that he has access to. But not into, if, it, if he crosses the boundaries, if he crosses the boundaries, then he loses jurisdiction. Right? right? So if his, license, if his license plate car says LAPD, you are in the wrong place. You don't have power and jurisdiction here. I would respect you as an individual. And all you've done. But, I mean, but when the enemy crosses into your world, you can look at the devil and say, and you don't even have to say that nice now. Now You can say, wait a minute, who do you think you are? You don't have a right to come into my marriage. See, some of us have left the door wide open. We think everybody should have a right to come and go as they please. Not to get political, we let everybody in the country. Okay, and the people say we let everybody in the country and locks their doors at night. Isn't that fun? Isn't that interesting? Because we all know you're not supposed to leave the door open 24-7 to let anybody come and go. Don't get political on me now. Some of you are like, I can't believe it. Pray for me. All I can tell you to do, pray for me. We know that we have a right to close the door and lock it. Why do we do that? Because we don't want to invite everybody who wants to come in, has a right to come in. Even Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice, then open up. We teach our children, don't open the door until you ask. Who is it? You all been, just one big happy family here. Who is it, right? It makes sense. Because you don't open the door if you don't know who it is. And yet some of us in our life, we by our words and attitude have opened the door and let the devil come in when he wants to. All he has to do is prick you with a little symptom and you begin to say, oh, I bet that disease is coming back. No, no, that's not what you say. You let the devil know that, listen, he has no right, no jurisdiction. It might work for the people in his kingdom, but you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You are part of the kingdom of light. And in the kingdom of light, you have a different right and authority. Are you listening to me? You're not like everybody else. You're not like the people that you work with. Though you say we all look alike in the natural, but on the inside, God looks at the inside more than the outside. And on the inside, you are different because as a child of God, you're not like the child of the world. Peter says it this way, you're a peculiar people, which doesn't mean you're weird. That word literally means you're cut above the rest. You should shine. You should shine. Jesus said, you're a light. Don't put the light away. And then he says, uh, under a bushel, put it in a place that benefits other people. Benefits other people. Then Jesus said, you're not only a candle, you're going to be a city on a hill that cannot be denied. Why? Because God wants to bring you to a level and realm of victories that cannot be ignored. That cannot be denied. That cannot be hidden. Well, that's for somebody, and maybe not for everybody. These people are saying, I don't believe that. It's not for you then. It's according to your faith, be it unto you. You got to mix your faith with the word, the Bible says. But God is wanting to, according to his word, he wants to bring victory through our lives for the benefit not only us, but for other people. 
Genesis 12, 2, you're blessed to be a blessing. It's a two-sided. It doesn't mean you go without. He wants you blessed, but he wants you also to be a blessing. If you lose the balance of what God's doing, it'll dry up on you. If it's all about you just getting your, your spiritual buzz and a little emotional goosebump and feeling good about the day, and that's all you care about, you'll miss out. But when you start saying, God, I thank you that you have empowered me to not only have victory over the enemy in my life, but I have victory over the enemy. Whatever opportunities you show and bring into my life, I'm going to pray for some people. I'm telling you, you start getting that attitude. The devil messes with somebody in your world. You begin to say, you should have never done that. That's good to cost you because not only am I going to see my children get healed but when I get done I'm going to pray for 10 other kids come on somebody we got to get we have I, I, I don't care hear me now I'm not political and I don't care who's in office Republican or Democrat two heads on the same snake a lot of times okay but hear me now the system of society has slowly warmed people up to being passive and soft-spoken, and let's never ruffle the feathers of anybody. And we'll even get a little nice little bumper sticker and say, can't we all get along? In light and darkness, don't get along. I'm not saying be a jerk to people. What I'm saying, you have to have this tenacity on the inside. Like the Bible says, be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner person. Yeah, but a little tenacity. I've seen sweet, dear old grandmas, 80 years old, soft-spoken. That at their, they, they can't even, you, you almost have to get close to hear them. They whisper when they talk. But get them in prayer. Get them in the anointing. And you thought, don't mess with their grandkids. Wasn't thinking about it, wasn't planning, but I feel sorry for anybody because they knew how to pray. They knew how to stand their ground. Are you listening to me? They knew how to stand up. And when the devil tries to knock on the door and say, sorry, who is it? You have no access here. I want in. If you wanted in, you would already got it. But you can't get in. I kick you out because you have no. I am in the kingdom. Say, I'm in the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of the world. Come on. Say, I have an aroma of God's power. Of God's goodness. Wherever I go. The Romans 14, verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. Say righteousness. I'm going to say it a little differently, and it, it, it all stays in context. Let me say it this way. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness in the Holy Spirit. It's peace in the Holy Spirit. And it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, righteousness is right standing with God. What Jesus did on the cross of Calvary forgives us of our sins and makes us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the Bible even goes into detail. Check it out. I leave you a little homework assignment. Check it out. Find it in the Bible where it talks about that part of our assignment is, as his children is to go around and reconcile people to God. To let them know their sins has, have already been paid for. People will take that context and means you can live any way you want. And it doesn't matter. And that's not what it means. Because Romans very, chapter 6, Paul says, shall we use our freedom from sin to go back in sin? And he says, God forbid. Don't let anybody tell you that grace means sin and live anything, any way you want. And it doesn't matter. What you sow, you shall reap. What it means is that we have a hold of a storyline that will impact anybody that God brings into our life. 
What is that? Doesn't matter what you've done. It's already been paid for. You can be forgiven. Now, God won't override people's will, so they have to choose. But we have the opportunity. It is, it is the aroma of the kingdom. It's the aroma of the king. That for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He loves us so much. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you more than you can fathom. He loves you greater than you could even describe with a hundred books. He loves you so much. And yet the devil has told people that God hates them because we've all heard the stories like God sitting on a throne with a big stick and a long white beard just waiting to whack somebody. He's not trying to judge people. He paid for the price so they wouldn't have to be judged. It's already paid for. They just need to be aware of. They have to receive it by grace through faith, which means we can have the privilege of letting people know that we have the, because we, because we have the aroma of the kingdom, which is the aroma of the king, that wherever we go, we can set people free from sin and bondage and shame. Sin will destroy your self-image. It brings shame. And we as his children have the ability, the right in the kingdom to find somebody. God brings them in our path that are, that's dealing with shame. They're not ashamed until it's exposed. And believe me, everything done in darkness will be exposed in the process of time. But God said, I've already paid for it if you're willing to receive it. Let me go from first to third. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness in the Holy Spirit, peace in the Holy Spirit, joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy. Don't tell me God doesn't want you smiling. I don't think God cares if you're happy or not. Well, you need to read your Bible, you grumpy old thing. Because in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Why well, I think God just wants to get me to heaven. That's how, how small because you're seeing God, which is that natural limitation of seeing God the way you see yourself and the way you've seen life. Instead of the way the reflection of the word the Bible says. Joy. We can go around and help people that are depressed and oppressed. Tormented by the enemy. Not by might, not by power, but by what? By the presence of God, the spirit of God. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. Let me back up in Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. Am I talking to anybody? How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. Just not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit power. Jesus told the disciples, stay here in Jerusalem because in, in a few days, it'll, it'll, it'll be an amazing day, an amazing moment. It, it'll be an incredible time where you will receive the Holy Spirit and he will endue you with power. No wonder the devil wants the Holy Spirit out of the church. Because then we have to just take what the devil gives us and can't. Power brings change. It's an authority. Power brings change. Brings change. So he told the disciples, wait here until you're endued with power and then you'll be a witness. What is it? A witness. What is that? An expression of the kingdom. Acts 10 30. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went, who went about doing He went about doing good. 
As we exit this fast, I want you to know we're exiting with power. And we're going to walk around with the expectation. I encourage you in the morning. One of the things, wake up and say, good morning, Heavenly Father. I always say, good morning, Father God. I love you. I worship you. Good morning, Lord Jesus. I praise and decree your Lordship. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I thank you. I welcome you. You got to pray, Lord, use me to reach somebody today. However level your faith they're at, don't be like somebody else. Don't try to force it. Don't call somebody and say, okay, I got it done for the day. No, you, you just become available. Who went about doing good, healing those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. So if they were sick, he helped them. If they were oppressed, he helped them. No matter what, he helped them. Why? Because that's the aroma of the king. How do I know that's the aroma of the king? Because Jesus said, the works that I do, it's not me, it's the Father doing the works. The words I say are not my words, it's the Father speaking them. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the aroma of the king, of God, is displayed through his son. Hebrews tells us that he is the expressed image of the invisible God. And if we're in the kingdom, you begin, as you walk out and live in the kingdom, you have the ability to draw attract the aroma of the king and the aroma of the kingdom into your own life. How do I know that? I know that from two reasons. Number one, by scripture, because the Bible says when the anointing was on Paul so strong that it actually got into the natural clothes and they would take his clothes and send it to those who were sick that couldn't get to him and they were healed. So the anointing was able to absorb. I know from another reason because I remember being a kid and I'd be outside and I'd come in and my mom said, go take a shower. Why? Because you smell like outside. I didn't try to smell like outside. I remember I got on a bowling league. Boy, that was a mistake. But I got on a bowling league one time. I'll, I'll try. And so, you know, you walk into a bowling league or bowling alley, what is the first thing you smell? Smoke. Have you ever noticed that over a process of time you don't smell smoke anymore? Until you come out? And people are like, whoo, where have you been? You didn't try. You were just around it. That's why the Bible says bad friends corrupt good morals. You're, you don't know what's happening, but there's an aroma around you. It's a spiritual. Some of you understand it because your kids walked in and you knew something wasn't right. You didn't smell something by your nose, but you perceived something wasn't right. Who you been hanging with? Because every time you're hanging with this group, of, I can tell it when you walk in the door. Why? It's an aroma. On the, on the dark side, but there's an aroma on the light side, on the good side, the more powerful side. Are you with me? When we're in the presence of God, what happens? You might not realize it. Being in this service today, not every church, I just wish it was every church, but not every church. But if it's a, if it's a Bible-believing, uh, tongue-talking, spirit-filled church that believes the Word of God, I'm telling you, just being in this room, you're not trying to do anything, just being in the atmosphere of this room, it's beginning to change. Because there's an aroma in this room. Did you hear me? There's an aroma. It's the anointing of God, the presence of God. It's an aroma on this room. And when you walk out of this room, that way the more, the more you're in it, the longer you're in it, the more intense you're in it. What does it do? It changes some stuff on your life. You'll have people say, man, you're, what, what is going on in your life? I'm sensing something. I, I want that. You'll have some people go, ah. And you're like, what's up with you? That was a demon hiding out. Now you know not to hang out with them anymore. I'm telling you, the anointing will change some stuff. Where was I? Acts 10:38. Nope, I already went through that. Romans 14, 17. 
The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Say thank you, Father God, for the joy of the Holy Spirit. See, if you only think with your logical mind, you'll miss out on moments just like that that just happened. And he just blessed somebody. It's always available to everybody, but it's never gone to everybody because not everybody always is willing, believes, or is open in the moment. Very attentive. And the last but not least, in the middle, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Peace and joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. Man, our world needs peace. Our world needs peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. There's a peace that exceeds. That's why the Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which exceeds your understanding, surpasses your ability to process why you have peace. Right. That's what I like to say, Lord, embarrass your people with your goodness. You, be, you have too much peace, and that's not too much. Just God's just a big God. Amen. The peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God. I love that. Because the Bible tells us that we can have great peace and undisturbed composure. Look it up. Look it up. I'm not going to give you. I'm not your mama bird force feeding you everything. I'm just throwing some stuff out there. I'm throwing some seed. You got to figure out what seed you got to pick up. Yeah. That, that peace could even guide and direct you in decisions. Yep. It says, let the peace of God be an umpire. Amplified translation. Let the peace of God be an umpire in every situ- situation with finality. Because yeah. you step into an area, into a house, or make a decision, like, mm, something's not right. And you choose to obey the Lord, and all of a sudden you get peace, rest- peace of God. But that peace not only is, is more than just a warm and fuzzy, it's a powerful force. Amen. It also includes prosperity and success. Did you realize that? Yeah. It's where in the Hebrew Old Testament they would say the word shalom. Now, just on a side note, for all our, I like movies. I like sci-fi movies. I like time travel movies. And, uh, uh, you know what I mean? I like, like, Trekkie movies. You know what I mean? Spock. Do you know where Spock would always say, live long and prosper? Do you know where that came from? Here's a little bit of trivia. They were getting ready to start the Star Trek, and he, uh, Leonard Nimoy had the opportunity of getting casted for that part. And he was looking for something that would be unique toward the character of Spock. And he was Jewish and was in, his, in the temple. And the rabbi said shalom, and it came to him. That's what I need to do, because that's part of shalom. It's not just peace, be happy with, don't worry, be happy. It's the peace of God that exceeds even in the midst of storms. It's a prosperity. It's a wholeness. Stay with me. I'm going to close here. 20 more minutes. Just joking. Just seeing if you're awake. If you fall asleep, I'm going to keep. I'm, if you fall asleep, you will wake up three hours. I will still be preaching to you. I'm just going to mess with you. Because when you're fasting, you get a lot of stuff. And so, no, where was I? Spock. I got myself cl- doing my fingers. Okay. So, shalom. 
I haven't eaten today. Just you know, give me a little space. Uh, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. A wholeness. A peace. A prosperity. You didn't realize that, that every time we said that, that actually where it came from. It's pretty cool. And that's why to this day, the Jewish community, what do they greet each other with? Shalom. To the point, here we're closing, to the point, and it's in the Gospel of Matthew. I'll let you look it up because of time. Jesus told the disciples, when you go, think about this. Think about this. When you go into someone's house, greet them with peace. With your peace. And if they receive it, your peace will come upon them. And if they don't receive it, still stay there, but your peace will return back to you. This is not a Stroke the back of someone's hand and tell them, it's all going to be okay. This is the peace of God that exceeds understanding, that overrides the storms, that makes the power of God. It is so amazingly tangible that you can give it to somebody. And if they don't handle it, receive it right, you can take it back. Man, that's a level that most of us are like, do what? There is so much out there, my friend. In the realm of God. Go out and greet. When you walk in, greet them. What, what do you tell them to greet them with? Peace. Let your peace come upon that house. Man, that's powerful. That is powerful. God doesn't want you to walk around and just say, no, what is he saying? He's saying when you walk into a place, change the environment. If they invite you in, you have a right to change the environment. If they don't accept it, it'll come back to you and the environment stays. And you can stay there if you want. But you have to understand, they have to accept it for you to change the environment. But you have the ability to change the environment. Why? It's the principle of the kingdom. Jesus has the ability to change anything. But if you don't want him to, he won't change anything. But he has the ability and power to change it all. That's the aroma of the king. That's the aroma of the kingdom. That's the aroma of the people in the kingdom. The righteousness, peace, and joy in the presence of God. For you don't walk by yourself. You do not stand by yourself. You do not, no, you do not walk into the place. You are not alone. You will never be alone because he will never leave you nor forsake you. You ought to pray, Lord, as I go in this, I know. I know that your presence is in me and I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. I know your presence is around me, but I also want your hand and presence to be on me. Because when I walk in this room, I'm planning on changing the environment. Not everybody's going to receive it. That's between them and Jesus. You're not there to make them get saved. You're not there to make them get blessed. You're not there to see their life better if they don't want it to be better. Some people love their misery. It is what it is. We love them. But you have to love people. Let them walk it out at their pace. But you are fully equipped. You are packing some power. I'm telling you, you have better than a concealed and carry permit. You are packing some power, child of God. Not because you're in full-time ministry. No, because you are a child in the kingdom. And you want to know, I'm, I'm trying to close, but 
it, listen, I'll love you. If you feel like you have to go somewhere, I won't blame you. That's, that's cool. But I, it, he, he, catch this. You don't understand. Most Christians, not you, people who are watching. Most Christians don't understand the strength of their position in the kingdom. Jesus said, Jesus said, of John the Baptist, of all the prophets born of women, he is the greatest. He is the one that Malachi chapter 4 referred to about the Elijah coming. He came in the spirit of Elijah, Jesus said, if you can handle it. He, of all the prophets before born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest. Now, I always liked Elijah and Elisha. Then Samuel, John, I never, but according to Jesus, he's got a better pick. He ranks his teams a lot better. Sorry again, Austin. So John the Baptist is the best. But then Jesus said, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. I don't care if you feel like you're in the last of the last of the last of the last. If you're in the kingdom of God, you carry pack more power, more punch than even the greatest of the great of the prophets of the Old Testament. Are you listening to me today? The devil will try to convince you in your perception that you're weak. But God is saying, you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do all things through Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. Don't be moved. Don't confirm it by what you feel. Hear, see. Know it by the truth of the word of God. It will not fail. You are packing some power today. You are full of power today. You are dynamite loaded spiritually today. You have some stuff that the devil's afraid. Because John 1 says he was the light and darkness cannot comprehend it. You, just like Jesus, was the reflection of the Father. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. You know what you are? You're the reflection of the Son. Hallelujah. You're not God, but you're the mirror of him. When you walk in, the devil sees light and they got to go. Demons tremble when you wake up. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're looking for an emotional confirmation. I'm giving you the word of the Lord. You carry power wherever you go. If you believe that, stand to your feet and give praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Praise you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. Come on, give him praise. You're not a victim anymore. I sense that spirit that would tell you you're a victim. It's falling off. You're no longer a victim anymore. You're no longer passive and weak anymore. You're no longer vulnerable to what's coming down the road anymore. You have a choice. You have a right. You have the ability to choose. Why? Because you carry power. You're in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Say, God is good. He's the God of the. Okay, let's work on logic. If, if he's the God of the impossible and Jesus is the reflection of the Father. And you are in the part, you are part of the body of Christ. 
the reflection of the Son. That as the body of Christ reflecting the Father, who is the light, who is the all-powerful, who's the God of the impossible, I'm here to tell you today that because you are in his body, because you are his children, because you are... That means your wheelhouse just became the land of impossibility. Don't look for difficulty. Don't look for simplicity. Look for the direction of the Spirit of God. And when it looks impossible, say, okay, God, we can handle this because you're with me. I serve the God of the impossible. I don't know how, but I know who. I serve the God of the impossible. And it becomes the aroma of him wherever you go. Stay standing, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you, is Jesus Christ real to you today in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? If you don't, today's your day. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. Salvation doesn't come from doing a bunch of good works. Works are an expression of that revelation of salvation. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. He paid the price. He paid the price. He paid the price. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans tells us that with the heart man believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we open up the door of our heart and life and invite him in. If you do not know him, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. We've all been there. It means things are about to change for you in an amazing, amazing way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead you in a prayer, you being the individual right now that do not know the Lord, or maybe used to walk with the Lord, but for whatever reason, you've allowed sin and stuff to come between you and God, and you know your heart's not right. If either one of those are you, you're not a bad person. Jesus loves you. You are greatly loved. Let's pray this prayer together. For those who do not know him or those who have allowed stuff to to come between you and him. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, And on the third day, rose again for me. Because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart the door of my life and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord 
Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now it's, with everybody looking this way, it's going to be a little harder because I already, I'm going to keep you standing here. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant business and you're like, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I meant business with God. I just gave my heart to the Lord. Just so I know who I'm praying with at the count of three. Lift your hand as high as you can and wave it. One, two, three. Wait, who did I pray with? I'm going to see who that is. Come on. I see the hand in the back. I see the other hand. I see the third hand. God bless you. I see the fourth hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just not lift it, but just wave it. Come on, give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Keep your hand raised. Let me pray. Father, for every hand that's raised that just got saved, we thank you that they're now children of God. They're going to heaven. I, right now, Father God, by the authority in the name of Jesus, we curse and bind the tactic of the enemy against them. Whatever has been used in the past will no longer work today. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against them in judgment, we condemn it in the name of Jesus. Any, any person with an assignment to take them out or take them down, we curse and bind it. And we ask you to remove them from their circle of friends and bring twice the amount of friends into their life that would be encouragers and help them in their walk with God. And I speak this blessing over their life, Father God, according to your word, that they would be strengthened with might by your spirit and their inner person. I thank you for Holy Ghost tenacity to stand against temptation, to stand for you wherever we go. We give you praise. And everyone shouted, amen, amen and amen, amen, amen.